Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm your guest bailiff, Monty Belmonte from WRSI 93.9 The River in Northampton, Massachusetts, in for Jesse Thorne. This week, strangely, Monty Belmonte Python. Beth brings the case against her partner, Ross. She loves animals and wants to get a small snake to keep in her workshop. Ross says snakes are disgusting and terrifying and thinks they should be satisfied with the animals they already have. Who's right? And who would the sorting hat put in Slytherin? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Jake the Snake Hodgman enters the courtroom. Snakes are among the most misunderstood of all animals. As a result, many beneficial and harmless snakes have met untimely deaths at the hands of shovel-wielding humans. Observe snakes from a respectful distance. Don't attempt to capture them or keep wild snakes as pets. Leave snakes alone! And with that, guest summer bailiff Monty Belmonte, please swear them in. Beth and Ross, please rise and raise your right hands. You swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you Medusa's head? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that the judge is sick and tired of all these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane? Yes, I do. I, I do that as well. Thank you. Judge Hodgman, you may proceed. Monkey-fighting? That is the actual what made-for-TV translation of the epic line from Snakes on a Plane. Right. Monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. But I'm sorry about this. Uh, 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 Beth and Ross, you may be seated. Is not the original quote, I am tired of these mother snakes on this mother plane? Yeah, but instead of bleeping it out, I thought I would go with the made for TV movie original. No, 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 quote, I understand. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm very glad. You mean the TV, the TV edit. The TV the edit. dubbed yes. TV edit. Yeah. So you're, you're telling me that they replaced the term mother with two different <laughs> yes. options? Mo- monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. What, who did, why didn't they just use the same? Monkey fighting is fine. But I'm just, I just delight at the fact that in the same line, they replaced the same offensive phrase with two different ridiculous options. And both of them are equally ridiculous. Monkey fighting snakes and the Monday to Friday plane. No, monkey fighting snakes makes perfect sense in a Monday to Friday plane also. I mean, it's the only time it makes sense now that I think about it. Because I'm sure snakes would fight a monkey under duress. And Monday to Friday plane, that just means it's a plane that only flies on the weekdays. It's a daily plane, I guess. You're right, so that makes sense. For an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors, can one of you lovely Australian people name the piece of culture that I was paraphrasing, or rather in this case, quoting directly? As I entered the courtroom, Ross, can you? I have absolutely no idea. No idea. Of course you of course you don't. And what about you, Beth? No, sorry. No, sorry. Because why, if you lived in Western Australia, even if you are considering getting a snake for a pet, would you possibly be looking at the state of Maine website, Maine.gov? <laughs> Specifically, the area on uh, inland fisheries and wildlife where they tell you, please don't kill our non-venomous snakes because there are no venomous snakes in Maine. And you find me, well, you, you, you can't see me at all, uh, all you other people. We're continuing the great uh, northward uh, summer migration of Hodgman. I was uh, last time in Northampton, Massachusetts with Monty Belmonte, my summer bailiff in the studios of WRSI The River in Northampton, Massachusetts, but now I have moved even further north to Maine, the state of Maine, where you find me in the studios of WERU. Uh, thank you very much. I'm being handed by Joel, uh, T Man, programming operations manager, his card. WERU Community Radio 89.9 FM. Do you, do, do you say you're in Blue Hill, Maine, or in Orland, Maine? In Blue Hill, Maine, right? In Blue Hill, Maine www.weru.org, one of the last great total local community freeform radio stations. You guys need to listen to this station. It's crazy. Monty. I can't wait till they sell out and go commercial like us. I know. I know. This is what, this is what WRSI, this is what WRSI would be 
if you were given your way, if you were if given would free reign, take over. Look, they're both great radio stations. They're both great states. Well, one state and one commonwealth. I happen to be in Maine now, which is a state. And here in Maine, there are no venomous snakes. And the, and the website of Maine wants you to not kill them, even though most people find them to be frightening and disgusting. And I believe that this speaks directly to the conflict at hand. Is that not so, Beth? Uh, State your case. Yes. Um, I would like to get a pet snake, uh, which would live in my workshop and would only come out of its cage when um, Russ wasn't home. And I would take care of it, and he wouldn't need to ever see it. And you live in Western Australia, is that correct? Uh, yes, Perth, Western Australia, so for seven part. It's a very, very big state. It's a, oh, I know, WA. And Perth is the only city there, right? Uh, <laughs> no, 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 there's a few more. <laughs> I've never been, I've never, I've been to, I've been to Melbourne, Australia, but uh, I've never been to Western Australia. It's, it's the wilderness, is it not? Uh, we, we do have a lot of wilderness, and I think it's actually faster to fly to Singapore than it is to Melbourne from here. It's faster to fly to Singapore? My goodness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and what do you do there in Perth? What, what goes on in Perth, the, the two, two people? You guys are a couple, a non-married, but, uh, but steady romantic couple, is that correct? That's correct. And Ross, what do you, what do, you do there? In, in, are you in Perth itself or in Greater Perth? Uh, yeah, just the Perth have, Metropolitan District. That is the, the, that is it exactly. Yeah. Okay. The P, the PMD Perth Metropolitan District is that what you call it? CBD. I think we call oh, what, it the Metropolitan Area. Oh, okay. I was just I I was just making a joke, but it is called something like that. All right, good. So you live there in Perth uh, Metropolitan Area, the PMA, and you do what, Ross? What is life like there? Well, I work as a software developer for mm-hmm. one of the uh, hardware store chains that we have here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to drop brand names on you, but um, yeah. No, I, I think it's safe to say that, well, I don't know if any of the Western Australian hardware chains have made it to the United States such that you would violate my podcast ban on inadvertent or advertent buzz marketing. Oh, it it only applies to to American corporations. I'd be curious. Well, let me just put it this way: I will lift the ban because I'm curious to know what the name of the biggest hardware chain in Perth is, like most of uh, America. Please tell me. It's not just restricted to Perth; it's across all of Australia. Go it's, on. Uh, it's called Bunnings. Bunnies. Yeah. Like rabbits. No, like <laughs> uh, with an with an ing on the end. Bunnings. Oh, Bunnings. Yeah. Excuse me. All right. I liked Bunnies should, as a hardware yeah, store chain. That would have been, I, I wouldn't feel so insignificant when I walked into a hardware store named Bunnies. I know. You'd, it'd be pretty cute, wouldn't it? I'd be, I'd be feeling really confident. I can handle All these right. people here at Bunnies. Well, let's hear it. Let's hear it for Bunnings then. Australia's largest hardware store chain? Yeah, I think, that's, or I, second I, think largest? That's, I think that's accurate. I think that, yeah, well, they're definitely right. the largest, yeah. All right. This is not an endorsement. I'm saying it is the largest. That's all I'm saying. It's it's a it's a evaluation of size, and and you don't make any kind of quality judgments here. That's exact. That's exact. That's exactly right. That's my motto: an evaluation of size without any quality judgments. That could be a T-shirt right there. I got to get a li- I, not quality. Right. And now, Beth. I'm sorry. I'm going on all kinds. <laughs> it's summertime, so I'm just talking about what I feel like. Beth, what is going on in your life? You have a workshop at home. You mentioned. What do you make in your workshop? Um, lots of things. Um, I sculpt items, and then I make silicon molds, and then I cast them out of resin. Uh, and what are the items? That, what are the? Are you allowed to say what the items are that you sculpt oh, oh, and mold? Yes, um, they very greatly to whatever I feel like doing, but it tends to be wargaming related. Wargaming related. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> Thank you for not having a boring software hardware store job. <laughs> Thanks for not making software for hardware. Actually, that's pretty cool now that I think that about cool. it, Ross. You, yep. Yeah, you're, you're back. You're back. But still, you're not molding or wargaming. What are you making? Uh, uh, figurines? Sculpting figurines as well as terrain and tokens. Uh, okay. And I, dice I heard as well. To- making my own custom oh. acrylic dice. You're making your own custom acrylic dice? Mm-hmm. For fun or for profit? For fun. 
Right. But if I but if I sent you some American dollars, could I get some of your dice? You could. All right. Now, why is having a snake going to help you in your dice making? Not at all. Mm-hmm. But I really want a snake. <laughs> all right. Um, yes. How many animals do you have already? Um, it, I'm, I'm counting. Sorry, hang on. It, it, are they all, it are they all lined up in front of you? <laughs> well, when it comes, we're not counting individual fish, are we? No, I think it's fair to count fish by the school. Okay, well, I have, uh, well, we have, sorry, three cats, one dog, um, and I have several fish tanks. Fish oh. beyond measure. Fish, <laughs> fish beyond, me- how many, how many fish alone would you estimate are in your aquaria there, Ross? Well, th- I, I don't know, I don't know, you can call it my aquaria, uh, I'm not really sure that they they, they they seem to breed. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're living creatures. Yeah. If you were to if you were to guess how many fish, what? Give me a give me a ballpark. Do you understand that sports reference over there? Give me a give give me a cricket oval assessment. <laughs> um, you're gonna have to ask Beth about that because the fish are not my uh, department. Are any of the animals your department, Ross? Um. I, I would I would claim uh, co-ownership of the cats and the dog, but the, the fish are outside of my wheelhouse. Yeah, because you hate fish. Um, I, I, I can't get I, I can't get a handle on fish. Now, Beth made a, a fine case for in, uh, for inserting a snake into your lives, in that it would live in her workshop, which I presume is a separate building. Is that correct? It's outside. Sort of mm-hmm. uh, the side area of our, of our backyard area. All right. And she wants a snake that will live in her workshop. What kind of snake are you talking about? Uh, uh, I would Beth? like a pygmy python, the world's smallest snake. A pygmy python? I think it may be the world's <laughs> smallest python. Oh, maybe it's python, the smallest python. As we say yes. in Maine. Yeah. Because there are some pretty small, like, you, you know what a garter snake is? No. All right, I think that's probably, maybe not by length, but by girth, smaller than any python. Tell me about the pygmy python. Native to Western Australia. It's native to the northern part, uh, around mm-hmm. the Pilbara region. Um, it grows mm-hmm. to a maximum of 18 to 28 inches. Uh, on average, can get up to, uh, no, 18 to 20 inches, but it can get up to oh. around 24 inches. Oh, um, maybe, uh, yeah, it's pretty small. That's a, and that's a python? Uh, yes, and that's from nose to tip of tail, stretched out. Now why, <laughs> now, why a pygmy python as opposed to the second smallest python and the best named python of all, the children's python? It is a children's python. They've renamed it. It's the Western... No, they have not. Yes, yes, oh, it's no, a... Oh, no, they have not. No, I swear. Oh, no. Oh, swear. no, Beth. I'm sorry, maybe it takes a little bit extra time for Wikipedia to reach you in Australia, but as of this morning, they were two separate species. It's um, a Western children's python. It's from the same family. All right, good. A Western children's python. I love that there's a python called a children's python, but it's not named for the fact that it's suitable for children. It's named for some for a British zoologist named Children. His name was Bob Children or something. So, all right, well, you like that pygmy python because it's small. And what else? Smart, easy to train. It'll bring you your slippers in the morning. What? It's meant to have a fairly good temperament. So, um, isn't a very uh, so aggressive breed of snake. Um, easy to look after. Uh, the small size means a smaller terrarium for it. And, uh, and, 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 and what, what, what kind of dogs do you have? Uh, we have a pug cross chihuahua, a pugawawa. A pugawawa? And so, and you're getting the snake to eat that pugawawa? No, see, this is why I've got to get a small snake. What does it eat? Pinkies? It does. It eats, it eats mouse pinkies, very small ones. Yeah. And, and explain, explain for the, the listenership who does not know what a pinky is and has not yet been utterly nauseated today, what is a pinky? I believe, I I hope I've got this right, Um, I've only ever seen them in the freeze-dried, not freeze, frozen packets, Um, but it's a freshly born mouse baby. Yeah, yeah, it's a mouse baby. 
And you speak also to the pleasures of reptile ownership, which is not only are you feeding your snakes mouse babies, but they come in frozen packages of what, a dozen? Mm-hmm. And they're going to keep that in the freezer, which you store your own food in and stuff? Well, I already keep bloodworms in the freezer, brine shrimp, oh, artemia, and yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Is, is that is that for your monstrous fish? Yes, it is. I also sometimes get live bloodworms and keep them in the fridge. In the refrigerator, in a, in a, in, a ref, in the same refrigerator that Ross goes to get his uh, his jar of Vegemite from. I don't think you do. You need to refrigerate. No, Vegemite? no, no. Vegemite goes in the cupboard. But, the cupboard, but it right? is it is the the same fridge that I get everything else that I require to be refrigerated before consuming from. All right. So. Uh, w- w- did I already ask you why you need to get a snake now at this time in your life? I don't think so, but... All right. Why don't you tell me why? I've wanted a snake for a really long time, and mm-hmm. it's... How old are you? I am 26. All right. We've 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 spoken about it several times, and Ross has always said no, and because he's terrified. Um... And I'm home a lot at the moment, and it would be a lovely pet to watch while I'm waiting for resin to set. Yeah. So, but let me say that when I ask, why do you want a snake? The answer should not be, I want a snake. (laughs) You need to, and have wanted one for a long time. I appreciate, now how long have you guys been in a relationship together? About six and a half years. Right. So, so since you were maybe almost 21. Right. Mm-hmm. I before 21. Okay. Yeah. So you never had you never had that opportunity as a single person in your early 20s to go out and get a weird pet because there was no one else to stop you from getting it finally. And you could go out and get your weird reptile and feed it little baby mice. You never had that opportunity to do that. No. So now you want it. And so you've, you've put it off, you put it off, you put it off. But what I want you to do is cast your mind back to when you were something more than a teenager and something less than an adult and you thought getting a snake would be a great idea. And tell me about why you want that snake. What is it? Because realize you're not just speaking to me. You're speaking, you're trying to convince Ross that this is something that is meaningful and important to you. I want to hear some, I want to hear some Monday to Friday mother-friending snake poetry at this point. They're very fascinating creatures and beautiful and unusual. Uh, They're easy to care for, and after the initial setup, they are uh, very cheap for maintenance of them. Um, I find them fascinating and beautiful, and I I, I like holding them. I I hold a snake at every opportunity whenever we go to uh, fairs and... um, Festivals oh, some, of those, some of those, some of those Western Australian snake festivals. They actually have one. I think it's in. Uh, is it the Perth May Snake next Fair? Next year, it's. I think it's. Or the, is it the Perth? Is is it the Perth Snake Fair or the Perth, or the Greater Perth Snake Expo? Because I hear they're real rivals. <laughs> it's the WA Herpetofauna Expo. The what did you? What did you? What? Herpetofauna. Say it again. Herpetofauna. Herpetofauna. You mean, oh, what a wonderful word. You mean uh, 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 reptile animals. Yes. (laughs) Are you you a herpetologist? No, I'm not. But I do believe you own a license to keep snakes. I haven't put in my application for a license yet, as there was no point paying the fee if I wasn't going to be allowed to get a snake, but it's not difficult to get the license. The, your herpetofauna class three license that you mentioned in your original letter to me? Yes, that's correct. How much does that cost? $40 a year. How much does it cost to, um, how much, you say they're, they're inexpensive to keep, how much are the pinkies? Um, I think I've seen them in packs of uh, about 10 to 12 for about $8, and <sighs> it eats one every 10 days or so. Ugh. And and it will eat a frozen pinky? I'm not frozen. You have to defrost it in some water first. But I also have to Throw defrost the, the bloodworms. Just a mo- I don't want it. First of all, let's set, can we just not talk about bloodworms for five <laughs> seconds with you? Okay. How do you defrost a pinky? 
um, just in a container with some lukewarm water. <sighs> How long does it take what? to thoroughly defrost a pinky, I wonder? Not long, I don't think. No, I wouldn't imagine. And if you keep the water running, convection will even speed that up. You've thought about parboiling them and then maybe throwing them on the grill. <laughs> I, uh, this is not... I'm resisting not, the temptation to say to throw a pinky on the Barbie. No, no, you're not. I didn't you're say You're not it. resisting that. You're not resisting the temptation. Yes, I, I wish you had. I resisted it. I resisted it. Shut your pie hole, Monty. Oh. I'll stick my pinky in there. Once a week, you have to defrost a pinky. You have to break a pinky off the, off the pack, toss it in some lukewarm, then throw it in, and your and your pygmy python will eat that frozen. Th- will eat will eat the dead thing. It doesn't want live prey. No, you can't give them. Uh, you're not actually allowed to. You're only allowed to feed them dead prey. Why are you not allowed to give them live prey? Um, it's so that they don't associate movement with food. At least I I think that's why. Oh, I see. I, I think also I they it, don't want people breeding like lots of rats or mice to have fresh live food for their reptiles. I see. Okay, right. They'd rather they'd rather they'd rather have have that business confined to Big Pinky and their industrial frozen pinky operation. All right, it, Ross. Let me say, if you can't sense from my discussion, that I find this all to be very gross. I find snakes to be to be wonderful creatures. And certainly during the time when I was not an adult, I considered it would be awesome to have a snake. But then I realized I was going to have to feed it animals. And that's just too much familiarity with the food chain for me to divert an afternoon of play with. So I didn't do it. But to each his or her own, Beth is obviously a delightful small creature who is easy to take care of in her own little enclosure in your backyard that you have a lot of affection for. Why not? Why not let her fill that shed up with all the weirdest animals in the world? What do you care? Why are you so scared of snake? I don't know. I think it's, I think I have a, I, I think justified, but irrational fear of snakes so the very idea of having one in the vicinity that uh, is going to be here all the time kind of freaks me out a little bit. Uh, and Beth says that it's going to be hidden away and, you know, never going to come out while I'm around. She says that, but I have... I have a sneaking suspicion that at various points it's going to be brought out and pointed at me, possibly in a in a taunting kind of way. I can I can definitely envisage that happening. She doesn't sound Beth, are you are you gonna taunt Ross with your snake? Um I will admit I might have threatened that, but I, I wouldn't. No. Ross, is Beth getting a snake because she wants to push push you to the limits of your fear to help you grow as a human being? It could be. I'm I'm comfortable with with the degree to which I am a human being in this area. Um. Yeah. the the other The other part, and I in my preparing for for this uh, for this case, I I went and did a little bit of research, and a lot of the things I was going to say in. Um, opposition to getting a snake is what you were covering earlier about the pinkies and the feeding of the pinkies and that they're called pinkies and that whole I don't think you guys had the tone quite right of how how I would have put it that that how could you have have layered more nausea and disgust in your voice than I did let me hear how you would have said pinkies they're called pinkies. That, it would have been something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I still don't think you're completely committing, but I, I hear I'm I'm hearing the disgust. More annoyance than disgust. Like if it's, it's it is foul. It is disgusting to think about in the most visceral sense. There should be an almost like vomit into your mouth kind of mm, pinkies kind of thing. Wait, like that. Ma- Monty, are you are you are you expressing your own disgust or are you coaching Ross in, ca- in disgust acting? 
I'm doing both. All right. I want, I want you, Ross, what I want you to do is I want you to picture, I want you to picture you breaking off one pinky from a string of frozen pinkies and then putting it into some lukewarm water before feeding it to a snake. And then I want you to say pinkies one more time. Pinkies. <laughs> I like that. That was much that was, better. That was, that was chilling. That, that just the under the breath pinkies. If I could assure you that Beth was going to keep that snake in its habitat, in her, in her uh, 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 Dyson figurine shed, if I could assure you and order that, and if I were to order that Beth get a freezer, a refrigerator and a freezer for all of her gross animal food and keep it out there, would that satisfy you? Look, I'm, I'm not sure it would, because the other part of this is that I can I can see getting a snake is I, I don't want to construct a straw man argument here so to so bear with me for a moment all right but this the the this will be the first a, time someone hasn't constructed a straw man <laughs> argument on my podcast so I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 i appreciate your uh i appreciate your diligence go on uh when we we have we have a trend here when we get some new kind of pet brought into uh, uh, our house here. Um, it seems to escalate and develop beyond just getting a new pet. Uh, at one point, uh, a few, a couple of years ago, we got uh, quails. There was some. They were some cute quails that we we kept in a little a little thing. Uh, and and it wasn't long after we got the quails that now we were raising quail eggs and then having baby quails and breeding quails for a while, which was cool. But now I'm imagining that we're going to get a snake and then after a while we'll get another snake and then we'll start having snake eggs and then there'll be a, there'll be yeah. a clutch of snake eggs and then they'll hatch and we'll have a writhing mass of serpents that will be meters from where I sleep at night. I wouldn't. The incubator's being repurposed, so I can't use it for eggs anymore. What is it being repurposed for? Um, pink, I now pink, use it for... Pinky defrosting? <laughs> no. What is it being used for? I'm afraid uh, to ask. I use it for warming um, silicon and resins. Oh, all right. That's not a problem. W- w- did you say quails? Yeah, quails. And do quails mean the same thing in Australia as they mean here? Yes. What do they small, mean there? Small ground birds? Yeah. What if I said giant bats? Quails are giant bats, right? Everybody knows that. Although, now that I think of it, you're closer to you're closer to Malaysia than to Melbourne, right? I think so. I don't know my geography well enough. We're not maybe far. Get some of those, maybe you could get some of those giant fox bats as pets. Have you seen those? No. They're the size of foxes, but they're bats. That's awesome. Yeah, and they crawl around. They crawl around on the ground because they think they're land animals. They fly too. But you've never seen you've never seen a more ill thought out animal till you've seen a fox bat crawling around on the ground with its on its knuckles. You should get a couple of those. I don't. I think it's quails are cute, and I think it's strange that you kept them. And I guess you guys have a lot of space out there in Western Australia, so that you can create a little quail enclosure in your backyard or whatever. What concerns me is that the. Quails are now in the past tense. What happened to all the quails, Beth? These particular ones were Japanese quails. Um, I got the eggs from a, a poultry company uh, in Western Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They're not bred uh, to be pets. You're telling me an origin story. You're I telling am, me how I the am. quails started. I don't um, want an origin story. I want to hear which ended first, the quails or the eggs. Where, what happened to the quails? Due to select um, breeding for food production, their lifespans are only two years, as well oh. as they're prone to genetic issues that cause them to die. 
So these were the first quails in history to have died of natural causes. They were not taken by predators or eaten for food. No, they used to follow me around the garden, and then I'd put them in their hutch at night. And then one day they just stopped oh, quailing. Oh, and I'd eat their eggs. Yeah, quail eggs are great. Put mm. them on a little salad. We made the tiniest little omelets. <laughs> Tiny fried eggs. All right. Beth, is snake, is, is, is the snake, what are you going to name the snake if you get it? I, I haven't decided yet. I haven't let myself do that because then, you know, I become too emotionally invested. But um, also, mm-hmm. you have to meet the snake first and get to know it. Where are you going to get the snake if I allow you to get it? Um, it would <laughs> most likely come from a, a reptile breeder up north in the Pilbara region mm-hmm. and would get flown down. It would get flown down on a plane? Yes. It oh, would my be. God. <laughs> Historically, that hasn't worked out well for the plane. Is it a Monday to Friday plane? <laughs> yeah, yeah. because if you need it on the weekend, you can't get it. If it's a Monday to Friday plane, forget it. I believe the monkey fighting snakes come on the Monday through Wednesday plane, and then the pygmy pythons come Thursday through Friday. So you're going you're gonna to have the snake flown in from a reputable snake dealer. Presumably uh, yes. you're going to fly up there first and meet the snake? No. All right. So it doesn't matter. Meeting the snake doesn't matter. The point, what was I going to say? All right. If you get the snake, but you're not going to fly up. Is this going to be very expensive to take care of the snake? No, you already talked about that. I don't know. What was the question I was going to ask you, Beth, about the snakes? Oh, yeah. When does this stop? That's the question. When does this stop? Um, if I say to you, you can get this snake, but no more quails, no more fox bats, no more, no more uh, uh, bush babies or wallabies or kiwis or exotic pets of any kind, <laughs> no more giant tarantulas, no more whatever sperm whales for 10 years. Is this snake worth it to you? Yes. Is yes, just- it is. Because the snake will live for between 15 and 25 years. 15 and 25 years? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pinky level of disgust that I was expecting when you talked about pinkies. I know, because what you're thinking is, what I want you to do, Beth, right now, is I want you to count to a quick calculation of how many pinkies are going to have to be defrosted to maintain that snake for, let's say, 20 years. You do that back of the envelope, Ross. I'm going to take this final moment with you. Ross, snakes are gross, but they're not going to menace you. You understand that, right? On some level, yes. It was said to me in the initial brief that I received that you resisted getting the pugwawa or whatever it was, the chipug pug. I did. I, I, I was not a fan of dogs previously. I'm still not really a fan of dogs, but I'm rather fond of our. Of our dog. He was scared of them. Why were you not a fan of dogs? Um, We've always had cats since I was, like, little. Uh, And just... um just not a fan of big, loud, aggressive dogs. And so... Well, you don't have one. You have a Chipug Pug. Well, that's... that's, Yeah, that's the the key difference here, really. Okay. A a Chipug Pug is nothing but... It's the same thing as a cat... Except it poops wherever it wants to and not in the same place. And it's a, it would be as if you had injected a cat with a bunch of amphetamines. Pretty much, yeah. And other stimulants that, and other stimulants that made it love you a lot instead of hate you a lot. That's probably the best description I've heard of, of, of our dog, yes. But you came around on dogs. Is there not the possibility you might come around on the topic of pygmy python, the children's python? I'm not going to say it's impossible, but what you have to bear in mind is that our dog has a really adorable face as opposed to the nightmarish maw that I understand snakes have. What, you've never even seen one? Not for very long. I, I usually, I'll, I'll usually look away before examining it very closely out of... Out of do, you have uh, other ir- do you have other irrational fears that keep you from living the fullest life that you can? Yes. Oh, I have a constellation of irrational fears that keep me from living the fullest life that I can. Give me three of them. Listing irrational fears? Mm. Um, 
All right, Beth. Yes. Have you calculated the number of pinkies? Uh, yes. So it would be, depending on how long the snake lived for, between 555 and 925. 555. Although, as an adult, you might move up to the next size of pinky. Sure. They call it sure. the ring finger, I believe. <laughs> nice one, Monty. If you're feeding that, how, how I'm not sure you understand the calculations I was asking. How many pinkies is that snake going to eat over its lifetime? I think I did it correctly because it would eat one every 10 days. Yeah, for 20 years. Five, oh, maybe you did it right. 36 yeah. times 20, yeah. Yeah. Joel I rounded over here it. It's WRU actually 36.5 a year, but I rounded it to 37 less, to be safe. Less than a thousand. So we, don't have to, so we don't have to cut one in half every year. <laughs> now you just turned my stomach. I'm sorry that I accused you of doing bad math. It's only because, oh, excuse me, maths. It's only because I do terrible maths in my head. So you did a good job. Beth, what are some of Ross's irrational fears okay. before I go into my chambers to make my decision? Beyond snakes. Well, he's still scared of um, even medium-sized dogs to large dogs. Um, mm-hmm. What else is there? Oh, he doesn't like bats. He's a little bit fearful of bats. And he finds tigers, although he thinks they're pretty, he thinks they're scary. Yeah. Um, Being afraid of tigers is not I'll, irrational. We went to the zoo recently, and he, mm-hmm. he seemed to comment that a lot of them seemed a little bit scary. Are they mostly animal-based fears? Yes. All right. I think I've heard everything I need to in order to make my decision. I'm going to go back into my herpetofauna enclosure uh, and uh, and consult with my uh, dozens of iguanas, and I'll make my decision in a moment. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Beth and Ross. Snakes. First, Ross... Yes. You seem to be upset and think and fear that these snakes are going to, to multiply in number and increase like the quail did. Yeah. Is there a possibility that you could have the snake spayed or neutered? Can you neuter a snake? I, I know I personally can't. Not, not Beth, really Beth, sure. Are snakes neuterable or spayable? I don't think that's a thing you can do. Uh, but however, um, you do need a, a special license in order to breed um, herpetofauna in Western Australia. So it would be expensive and difficult for me to start doing that. So you're going to have just the one snake. There's no, almost no possibility that. Just, just the one snake. And I will even use all of my wonderful silicon and resin supplies to make it a beautiful custom enclosure. Now, Ross, I'm also curious, are you fearful of the, the plumbing snakes and the sort of like under the door draft snakes that they sell at the hardware store you work for bunnies? I did, I did catch one out of the corner of my eye last time we were there. And and was worried for a moment, but then 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 we we, we investigated and, and it was okay. Now, Beth, you are seem to be extremely knowledgeable not only about these pygmy python or the children's python or the Western children's python, but about all manner of the animal kingdom. And also, your voice is adorable, and I feel like it can't go without saying. <laughs> oh, thank you. You, you're a delight to listen to. I want you to read children's books to my children. We'll be back in just a moment with Judge Hodgman's decision. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you, it's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures 
from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up, seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2020-24, Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. Well, first of all, I'm just going to order right off the bat. Beth, you got to get those bloodworms out of the fridge. You have to, you have, you can't, you can't be keeping your live blood worms or even your dead blood worms in your food fridge. You are keeping exotic or, or semi-exotic. You're keeping animals that require food and enough such that you are keeping worms alive. You put them in a, you put them in a separate fridge. I don't know if they call them dormitory fridges there. In a, I think in mini Australia. bars. Get a small a small mini fridge or small mini fridge freezer combo. Put it in your shed or your workshop and, and keep, and keep, keep that stuff in there. Normally, I mean, here's the thing, Beth, I appreciate that snakes are beautiful animals and they are peace loving animals. And much as the state of Maine would like to remind us, uh, they are misunderstood and have been attributed with evil intent throughout all time uh, because of their simple weirdness and disgustingness. But they are not themselves evil. They're just animals that eat disgusting things and do disgusting things. And they're weird because they have no legs, and that's weird, and so we are freaked out by them. The irrational fear that Ross feels is not entirely irrational because you are confronting when you confront a snake uh, the uh, the discomfort of the utterly uncanny. It does not conform to any other animal that seems to make sense to us, and it's not as weird even as the glass lizard, uh, which is a which is a, a not a snake. It's a lizard that has no legs. The difference is it has eyelids, unlike a snake. It just gets weird in the world of herpetofauna. Do you know what I mean? It's weird. Last night I was out here in the in the in the in the semi wilderness of Maine, and a luna moth tried to enter my home. A luna moth is the size of my hand, outstretched hand, <laughs> the biggest moth I'd ever seen. It was basically knocking on the door. N- gross nature was knocking on the door, saying, "Let me in and take care of me forever." And some things like that, some big moths and all snakes, just weird people out. It's just a natural reaction, but not everybody. And some people love them, and some people appreciate that they're not evil, and some people find them to be very beautiful. And those people who keep them as pets uh, enjoy them very much. But those people tend to be solitary. 
Snakes are not snakes are not the kinds of pets you get when you're in a couple typically. Snakes are the kinds of pets when you just get out of college and you get your first apartment, you're like, finally I'm going to cut loose. I'm going to get a weird snake. That's a, it's a it's a pet that you use to court other people with by walking around the park with a snake on your hands or over your shoulders to make contact with the other weirdos in life who love snakes. You happen to be in a relationship now with a dude who is just put off by snakes. And his his fear of them is not entirely irrational. It is, I think, hardwired into into uh, us to some degree. The idea of feeding frozen baby mice to a creature is not everyone's idea of a good time for a pet. But of course, Ross, you do have an irrational fear of snakes. And that irrational fear is your belief that the snake is suddenly going to become lots of snakes. I don't know if you know anything about snake biology, but it takes two snakes to make more snakes. Just how it goes. And regardless of whatever piece of paper, uh, 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 phony license that any Australian could print off the web in order to breed snakes, the fact is... Beth is not talking about getting two snakes. She's talking about getting one snake. And there aren't a bunch of pygmy pythons sneaking around your house looking to get in with that other python to make a bunch, which, what you called, I thought, beautifully, uh, what was a, a writhing mass of serpents. That is an irrational fear. Because snakes are so odd and because I believe, and, you know, I'm going to get a lot of angry letters from reptile fans here. And I, I love those. I love reptiles. I've always wanted to have one until I realized I had defeated a mouse or a rat or a pinky. Then I'm just like, not for me. That's fine. But because snakes have um, are, are traditionally the pet of the, of the solitary person. And it is unusual to bring them into a a. a, a a, a, a home that you share with another. Uh, I would normally say that uh, the rule about pets applies uh, here as it does to all couples. Uh, both the, the decision to get the pet has to be unanimous. You can't just have a unilateral decision to get a to get a to get a snake or a dog or a cat. You have to both agree upon it. And Ross is digging his heels in, and he has not been moved so far, Beth by the snake poetry you tried to lay down on me. That said, a snake is unlike a dog, not only because it is not cute or affectionate in any way, but also it does not require as much care. Snakes and reptiles are the pets of the solitary people because it is a personal relationship between you and that reptile. That reptile is just basically going to sit around most of the time in its enclosure and not look at you or think about you. And every now and then you're going to throw it some meat and it's going to eat those things and it's going to go on about its life. It is not going to frolic about the yard. It is not going to try to sneak into your bed. It is not going to require Ross going on a midnight walk around the neighborhood with the snake on a leash in order to relieve itself. The implications on Ross's life of snake ownership are minimal, to say the least, or even the most. I'm not even sure what I'm saying anymore. Point is, the only imposition upon Ross is that he's a scared of a snake in a shed on his property. <laughs> and for that reason, and because I do believe it has been a lifelong dream of yours, Beth, I am going to allow you to get okay. the snake, but on very firm condition... Ross wants no part of this snake. He doesn't want to see it. He doesn't want to hear about it. He doesn't want you throwing it in his face, trying to convert him into snake lichen. Ross is on the side of most civilization, of snake abhorrence. You are of a selected few who love snakes and appreciate them for the completely simple, uh, innocent animals that they are. He doesn't want to feed that snake. He doesn't want to see those pinkies. As far as he's concerned... Out in your shed is a dark dimension that he will never enter and will never hear about. And you may not get any more animals. You may replace a dog or a cat should it come to an untimely or timely end. But until this snake bites it, until it eats its thousandth and final pinky, no, this is as far as it goes. This is the end. No quails, no fox bats, no nothing. 
Do you understand these rules and strictures? I, uh, yes, I do. Then the court finds in your favor. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. Beth, you must be delighted. I am. I'm very happy. Do you think that you might name the snake Judge John Hodgman? I, I could do that if he would like, or I could name it Monty. No, don't. Monty Python no. would just be too... Would oh, be too much. yes, of course. Do you think you could make I, some I Judge order, John Hodgman? I order, I, I order you to name it Monty Belmonte Python. Done. If you do it, send me a picture, because I will... I will Adopt your python from from these shores. <laughs> I will. I'll even put a little a hat heart. on it. Have you seen the snakes wearing hats? Please tell me this isn't true. Yeah, it's oh, it's the greatest snakes. thing in the world. I tried to convince Ross that snakes weren't so scary by showing him the snakes wearing hats, little hats. I'm sure they love it. If I were you guys, I would I would look into uh, uh, the the Instagram account of the. Uh, recording artist Jean Grey, G-R-A-E. Um, she is a, a singer and a rapper and a comedian and a writer and an excellent person all around. And she loves snakes with hats. And she curates a lot of pictures of snakes with hats. But Ross doesn't have to look at any of that stuff. Ross just doesn't like snakes. Leave Ross out of this. This is between yes. you and your new pet, Monty Belmonte Python. And your new pet fetish of snakes with hats. I've never heard of anything like this. Ross, does that make you like snakes more? When you see them with hats? No. No. Just no. Ross, I feel for you, but it does seem like you have some irrational fears. Although you've put up with quite a bit with three cats, one dog who you were terrified of at first, and fish beyond measure, as you say. Are you ready, for, are you ready to welcome Monty Belmonte Python into your home? No, Monty, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to ever see the snake. Onto your property? I, I suppose I'm going to have to be. Ross, let me, let me say that I, I want to be friends to all the, all the people and, and beasts of the world, and especially to my friends in Australia. I realize that I have made a judgment that you, that you don't agree with. How, how, uh, how upset are you by this judgment? I figured it was going to go this way. So you sound um, you sound so defeated and snake feared. Yeah, yeah. Now, not only did I lose, there's also snakes coming now. Wow. So, yeah. But I want you to think when that snake comes into that shed. I want you to remember the joy that you heard in Beth's voice. Yeah. And I also yeah. want you to remember, no more bloodworms in your fridge, okay? I was going to say, that's good news right there. No more bloodworms in the fridge. Yeah, he yeah. really didn't like the bloodworms, especially the time they, they escaped from the container. That was really bad. Oh, my and God. And don't you understand now that that might be, we might have gotten to the source, the traumatic event at the source <laughs> of, of Ross's herpetophobia? Now I'm afraid of snakes envisioning that. Guys, thank you so much for, for calling in, and I wish you the best. But, Beth, I want you to appreciate that this is not – it's not your job in life to make Ross in love with snakes. It's your job in life to respect his disgust of snakes. I understand. And to keep that snake to yourself. Thank you so much, Beth and Ross, for being on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Thank you very thank you. much. It was a pleasure. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. 
Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. All right, Judge Hodgman, you want to clear the docket? Oh, I'm so mad, Monty Belmonte. Why? Well, I, I was a good quote from the state of Maine's uh, website about snakes, but I just remembered this movie that I could have had a quote from in which it was a movie from the 70s in which Dirk Benedict, before he played Starbuck on the original Battlestar Galactica, played a lab assistant. It was a horror movie. He plays a lab assistant to a herpetologist and he gets injected with an experimental formula and turns into a giant snake. And what you know is it the called? Name of the, do you know what the name of the movie is? No. That's the name of the movie. I'm not joking. It's like it's 15 hiss? S's. Yeah, no. Not, not hiss. There's no H. I don't understand why you can't hear me. I know I'm in Maine and you're in Massachusetts, but the, our connection is pretty good. I thought that you, I lost your signal for a moment there. Here's what I want. But that's just Here's, the title. That's the title. Oh, well. Another I didn't great, put an H. I'll have to save that. You know what? I'm going to have to save that for another another cultural reference. Well, hopefully you have another Monty, snake case soon. Here, All I, right. here I am in Maine. Monty, here I am in Maine. And you didn't even Are ask you, me if I'd stopped... At the Kennebunk Service Plaza on my way from you to Maine to see and? Jonathan, the Fresh Banana Man. Did you see the Fresh Banana Man? I did not see him. I stopped at the Kennebunk Service Plaza. I'm referring, of course, to the gentleman at the Kennebunk Service Plaza who is a friend of the show and occasionally writes letters that we read on the show that I met driving down from Maine to Massachusetts last year who stands and sells bananas by calling out to the food court, fresh bananas here, we got fresh bananas. And if you've listened to the show at all, you've seen pictures of listeners with him and so forth. But here's the thing. Uh, I stopped at the service plaza on the northbound side. He works the southbound side. So when you come so home... I did I did stop at the, at the service plaza. I'm like, maybe I'll see Banana Man. Maybe he's working on the northbound side just mm-hmm. for a fun. But he wasn't working there. And instead, I got a phone call from a creep who had hacked into, uh, into a computer system and had stolen my identity. I had to change all my credit cards. When, because you visited that service plaza? While I was at that service plaza, I got a phone call from a creep saying, is this oh your my. name and social security number? I have all your information. How much money will you give me? And I said, zero. And I hung up. And that uh, is unbelievable. And, and had to change everything. And so meanwhile, he was working on the <laughs> southbound side that day. <clears throat> and I think it may even have been that day that a bunch of teenagers from the Youth Harmony Choral Summer Program showed up and did a weird flash mob celebration of him by singing a South African folk song, replacing all of the words with the word banana to him impromptu to his surprise and and tears and delight. Did they do that because they know him from you? No, that's the thing. I thought for sure. But they just they had discovered him. The name of this summer program, it's based in Vermont, and I just want to make sure that I have the correct name here, so bear with me one second. The name of the summer program is called Village Harmony, and it's based in Vermont, and it's a summer its a summer choral program for teenagers and adults, and they all get together, and they sing songs, and then they go on tour together, and they were on tour, and they had stopped at the service plaza, and they saw him selling his bananas... And they were so moved that the next time they came through, they did a flash mob banana song for him. And you can check out the Jonathan tweeted it out. You should follow him, guys, at, at Fresh Bananas here at F R E S H Bananas H E A here. And uh, and and we'll post it on the show on the show blog as well when this comes out. But it was, it was an amazing moment, and it just goes to show that the southbound 
Service Plaza at the Kennebunk Rest Stop rules. Northbound rules. Southbound is the site of magic and beauty, and the and the northbound is the Randall Flag side. It's the dark side of the Service <laughs> Plaza. It's where it's where the snakes live. It's where only <laughs> evil happens. Well, I'm Just going so to you Kennebunk know that about Maine. this weekend, so I'm going to make sure not to go to the northbound service Skip center, northbound. but I will Skip hope northbound. to stop on on the southbound and see Jonathan the Fresh Banana Man because I've yeah. got to meet him at this point. You were, you were filled with so much joy when you came down to do the podcast after you met the Fresh Banana Man that it makes I me know. sad that you had to experience identity theft in that way. Probably the wor- probably the most, it was the most frightening. It was, I, I, I lifted up the phone, and, or lifted up the phone to my ear and answered it and, it was, and this evil person was on the other end, like a snake. Anyway, let's clear the docket. Nick writes... My friend Ben insists on referring to monster movies like Godzilla, Pacific Rim, or Cloverfield as kaiju movies. Okay, they are kaiju movies. But the way he only refers to them as kaiju instead of just big monster movies is pretentious. Maybe my mind just can't take hearing the term kaiju more than ten times in one conversation. Can you help us kaijudicate the issue? Kaijudicate. Teehee. Yeah, they are kaiju movies, but kaiju as a as a as a phrase or as a as a descriptive term for big giant monster movies, while that has been how they were always described in in Japan, the place of their birth, uh, it's only recently that kaiju has finally broken through into common parlance with this uh, with this uh, this Godzilla movie. I think finally that's when you started to see like the Hollywood Reporter and other magazines referring to that as that genre as kaiju. It, this it, particular it, it, Godzilla movie that just came out. Yeah, and also a little bit of the Pacific Rim. You started to hear kaiju. And like, I, you know, it, it's been bubbling under the surface, like like a lot of uh, Japanese and Asian popular culture that's been working its way into our popular culture via Internet. It's been going, but it finally burst through into 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 accepted mainstream parlance in the same way that all of a sudden, uh, after after many, many years of resistance, the dams burst and suddenly everyone loves soccer here all of a sudden. Right. That whole World Cup thing that took me completely by surprise that everyone in the world would care. So well, there's nothing everyone wrong else with in the world r- usually cares, but not this country as much. Yeah, no, no, Australia, but, they care. But the, in Amer- the, the, the American acceptance of the term kaiju is similar to the American acceptance of, of, the, of the term soccer, which is that it's been bubbling up for a long time and then suddenly <laughs> it just broke through. And so there is this kind of, to, to my ear, there, to, to refer to Godzilla or Pacific Rim as a kaiju movie does reek a little bit of nerd pretension and or Johnny-come-lately-ness, but it's not wrong to say. I would suggest using it maybe once in the conversation. If you're using it ten times in the conversation, you're not having a conversation anymore. You're just, you're just dictating a 5,000-word think piece for the Dissolve website. So just say kaiju one time. We all know that you're cool, and then move on. They're and still maybe big say it with like movies. kaiju, you know, big lizard movies or big monster movies. And also just Godzilla, it, welcome everybody in there. Yeah, and also Godzilla. Uh, if you got a movie with Brian Cranston and Juliette Binoche in it, it's okay to keep them around for the whole movie. It's okay to have the hero of the movie be a grown man every now and then. Just my thought. Nothing against. I don't, anything, I don't have anything against uh, Kickass, the star of that movie. No problems, but you have a you have some great actors there. It's okay to make a movie where the the hero is a is a grown man. All of the big blockbuster movies or woman, all of the big blockbuster movies that you're emulating had grown men and women as the center of them. Harrison Ford was a grown man in Indiana Jones. They don't have to be mm-hmm. children. They don't have to be children all the time. I'm just you know I'm just now that I'm getting old, I'm much more attuned to ageism. Do you say manga and anime? Or manga, I, some people would I say. I say manga. I say, no, I know. No, I don't say those things. But I, I'm, I'm okay with people saying them. All right. Yeah, I think you can say it once in a while. I say Star Blazers you- and, uh, and Battle of the Planets. Move on. Next one. Aubrey writes, My partner Ginger and I have a long-running argument. Is it okay to go into a restaurant that's 10 minutes from the official closing time? Ginger thinks it's a huge burden to the waitstaff to have a patron come in just before closing. I spent about 10 years in food service. On a slow night, latecomers can be a little annoying, but it's all just part of the job. Plus, people who come in late are often great tippers. I say that if a restaurant wanted to have all patrons out by 10 or whenever, they should have set an earlier closing time. Judge Hodgman, please settle this for us. Well, first of all, Aubrey and Ginger, your names are 
delightful and I would think fictional. Mm-hmm. You sound you sound you sound like a you sound like a pair of snakes in a children's book. Maybe Aubrey even a children's ginger. python. Aubrey if and you had two uh, children Aubrey and python. Ginger. Hey, Monty, Monty, it's still yes. my courtroom. Yes. Still my courtroom. Okay. All right. My joke isn't even that good. Aubrey and Ginger go out to dinner is the name of the of the children's book. And the two snakes go to the restaurant and it's 10 minutes before closing and the host uh, or hostess at the restaurant looks at them and goes, this is why everyone thinks snakes are jerks. Don't go to a restaurant 10 minutes before closing and order a full meal. I don't care how long you worked in food service. You should know better. You're causing all those people to stay much later than they would have otherwise if you're the only ones there. Now, I'm telling you, you can go there and you can ask nicely. And if they say, yeah, 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 no problem, then obviously, no, no problem. But read the situation. They're not going to say, no, no problem. They're going to go, yeah, okay, okay. And if you have to eat some food because you're starving and you go into a restaurant 10 minutes before closing, don't order, uh, you know, the, the souffle. Order something simple. Scrambled eggs. Get out of there. Let, Coffee let the humans in, go out. Gone. Right. Right. I Sorry agree about that, that I Aubrey. Ne- I, don't I would care. never do that. Yeah, I don't care how long you worked in the service industry. That doesn't give you license to to be a be a jerk. All right. Well, Monty. Judge John Hodgman, I have also stolen your identity. That's something I didn't want to tell you until it was all over, and that was me oh, on the phone in the northbound plaza. But uh, I'll give it back. Uh, when you come back from vacation, when you come back to Northampton to visit me here at the WRSI studios. Well, our thanks this week go to WRSI, the river in Northampton, Massachusetts, for hosting uh, Summer Bail of Monty Belmonte. While I am in the northern New England uh, confines of the great state of Maine at WERU Community Radio 89.9 FM with Joel T. Mann, programming and operations manager who has no microphone. He is waving at the microphone. Very good. He says hello to all of you. Thank you for making this uh, New England summer edition of the Judge John Hodgman program possible. Monty, who else do we have to thank? Thanks to Patty Caffrey for suggesting this week's case name, which is wonderful and embarrassing at the same time. Monty Belmonte Python. I guess she didn't even know I was going to be part of this when uh, she suggested that name. To suggest a name for a future case, like us on Facebook. We regularly put out a call for submissions. If you have a case for the judge, submit it at www.maximumfun.org slash JJ Ho. Or write me. Okay. Or or write me directly at Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. I've been your guest bailiff, Monty Belmonte. Julia Smith produces the show. Mark McConville is our editor. Thanks for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. That is all. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.